What's up, world? Uh, I just, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you know, I, I don't know. Dave, Dave, Dave. Insert here. Yo. It's a terrible game. Bottom line. It's terrible in every way. Graphically, it's terrible. Gameplay is terrible. It's just terrible. Oh, angry Nick mad. That game sucked, and it's gonna suck no matter how many revisions they make, and it just sucked even more because they put a connect with it. Oh, angry Nick mad. Or if there's violence, I'll just laugh and enjoy the fun. Kaz Hazari. Hazari. Kaz Harai. 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 They just kind of got tired of Angry Nick on the first one and said, yeah, I'm gonna pass. Oh, yeah, so I do. Precisely. No. No. I, I, per- I no. do all my work. No. No. Yeah, I'm you guys are so I don't- cute. Oh, thank you. I try. I mean, let's face it, Mario, and to a lesser extent, Zelda, is what carries Nintendo at this point. Always be radical. I love your little podcast. You're the bestest thing ever. For the promise of the new Super Smash Brothers and the Zelda game, yes. Will not find a better story presented in any other game genre, in my personal opinion. Like, JRPGs have that. They have that story. That's what the entire game felt like. Oh my god, I want to bang my head into a wall. It's a podcast. Can someone remind me? I thought it was a video game podcast. You're listening to the Game Source Podcast. Let's check out this year's Level Up Expo at the Cashman Center in Las Vegas, Nevada. Hey, this is Aaron, OSC Water Polo here with your GameSource.com, and we're at the Level Up Expo with Team Colorblind, and uh, we're here to have you tell us about your game. Awesome, yeah, thanks. Not a problem. So, um, what type of game is uh, Aztec's Aztec's. name? Yeah, it's all good. Um, it's half a beat-em-up, highly technical, inspired by Devil May Cry, Bayonetta, those type of experiences, uh, and half like a strategy game about the Aztec Empire. So the finished package is you bounce back and forth between these two modes and manage chaos in the Empire with these real-time fights. What I've seen, it looks quite a bit of action, at least on the action portion, so that that looks like a lot of fun. Yeah, that's definitely the meat of the game. So Yeah, um, I first saw this game at the PlayStation Experience back in 2014. Yeah. Um, what have you guys been doing for that year and almost a half now? Yeah, I mean, uh, we've been getting all the content done. I mean, there's actually a pretty enormous amount of uh, combat experience inside of it. There's eight different weapons, there's 30 plus different enemies, bosses, a whole bunch of environments. Uh, I mean, the whole team is just two of us. So while I make content, the other guy works on tools, uh, finishes the design of the single player experience, stuff like that. So it's just been kind of knocking off this huge task list of production needs. But uh, we're wrapping it up now, which is really exciting. Yeah, uh, do you guys have an expected release date or anything? We don't, but uh, I mean, like I said, we're content complete already. We've got everything built. We're sort of gluing all these completed things together. So I'm guessing three to six months before uh, we've got a release date for people. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Definitely has improved quite a bit since I first saw yeah, it. Thanks a lot. Always a good thing. Yeah. Not that it looked bad back then, it just looks no, better I know now. What you mean. That's how it goes. Um, yeah. So you, you said there's uh, two guys working on it. Yeah. Um, and you guys had a decent product at uh, PlayStation Experience. So how long have you guys actually been working on this? We've been working on it full-time for about four years. Uh, the other guy does a lot of contract work to sustain himself. I've been on it full, uh, full-time four years. He's been on it a little less during that time. Uh, but before that, I was kind of prototyping on my own time and uh, conceptualizing characters and environments for a few years before that while I worked my day jobs. So it's been over four years for sure. Yeah. Uh, how excited are you now that you're near the oh, end? Oh, I so badly want it to be done, man. I'm dying. Like, I have the opposite of release anxiety, where it's like I want to hurry up and get it all done, get it out. But I'm very excited for sure. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it looks amazing Thank for you. two guys. Yeah. And I'd have thought you guys had been on this for like seven or eight years. Right, so, yeah, yeah. I mean, it looks great. Yeah, I appreciate it. Um, what platforms do you plan on releasing it on? It's hitting Steam first with the PC Mac Linux, uh, and then after that we'll be porting to all the new consoles and Vita. Okay. So, unfortunately, we kind of had to skip the last generation just for time and money reasons. But, uh, yeah, all the new consoles. And, and who knows, you know, if the game blows up and the money's coming in, then we'll pull it to the previous generation, too. But for now, that's the plan. 
Okay, that, that is great to hear. Um, where can we find information about your game if we've some if we're somebody who's never heard of it? Aztez.com. A Z T E Z. Yep. Okay. It's, got a, it's got a gameplay footage there. It's got information about the game. As soon as there's a release date, it's going to show up there first. So there's yeah. a mailing list, etc. So assets.com. Okay. Thank you very much. Absolutely. It was great talking with you. This is Aaron OSU Waterpolo with yourgamesource.com at Level Up Expo 2016. Rob McCallum, uh, we're here at the Level Up Expo. I'm joined alongside with Mr. Glenn Stanway. Greetings and have, salutations. And we have a special guest here, Gerald Glassford from YourGameSource.com. Gerald, nice to see you again. Of course, I've been away for the last two weeks. I know. Glad you're around. Um, thanks you, for joining us. You are the world traveler, my friend. I'm hoping that ends very soon. <laughs> I'm. Uh, I, we got films to shoot. Yeah, I, I gotta feel get that's going. Not ending. There you I'll, go. I'll, I'll let you guys talk while I go shoot another project. When I'm about to green light. Uh, well, this is Gerald Glass from, from YourGameSource.com. Um, you know, well, one of the sites that, that has truly tried to embrace Rob and, and all the great projects that he's done and, and how we tried to do what we can to support his, his great causes, not only for, for, for Glenn and, and Jay and you, uh, as well yes. as for all the great stuff you guys do, but uh, you know, going forward, you know, looking at that. I remember two years ago, we were here, actually yep. just a couple rows down, when this was a little bit smaller here at the Level Up, Level Up Expo. So. It's, it's grown. It's actually surprising to see how big it's grown in those two years. Yes, yes. They didn't have a stage. They didn't have as many, you know, booths or whatnot. I remember when I came here, I wasn't planning on doing very much. And then they said, well, here, we've got a whole, almost a whole aisle full of booths here. Pick one. Yeah. Like, okay, I'll just go ahead. And I sat down. We had a couple interesting conversations with some other people. And then there was, I was approached by one of my friends, uh, I think it was Chris, he said, hey, I got this director guy. This director guy wants to, said it's okay to talk to him. All right, well, what's, what's, uh, what's he doing? Oh, uh, some kind of Nintendo Quest. Okay, uh, well, let's go sit down, we'll talk to him. And look at two years later. Here we are. Here we are. We haven't really moved on up that much. <laughs> I don't remember where I was two years ago. Uh, I wasn't in Las Vegas. No, we hadn't started GamerCast yet. No, we had not. It was just before GamerCast started. It was just before. It was about two months before GamerCast. Halcyon days. Yes. Yes. Uh, yes. Mason Kramer was here with me, and we were interviewed uh, by your your staff. Absolutely, and we were uh, privileged to do so. Uh, it's still available online in its entirety. Uh, but I want to ask you guys this. Sure. And I'll start off with you, Rob. It's been two years. Yeah. How has the Nintendo Quest experience? Looking back, it's, it's, I don't want to say it's, it's officially, because it's not in the rearview mirror, it's still a part of it today. You're still in it today, but it's getting closer to the end than, you know, as far as it's concerned, the Nintendo Quest, um, how should I say, phenomena. Looking back on it now, what are your thoughts? Uh, well, it's just really nice to see how far we've gone. Of course, we've released the feature film. Uh, we've fulfilled... Um, most of our Kickstarter promises, we are in the final stages of the last one, which is, of course, fulfilling the game that we're developing uh, on based on the film. And now we've released the Power Tour as well, which was us touring the film around. Uh, it's pretty cool to see how far we've come. And, of course, coupled all in around that is 100 episodes of GamerCast that, that we've done, which, have, which has really taken us in a lot more areas than the promotional origins, which we thought. Wouldn't you say, Glenn? I would say, Rob. Gerald, you were asking, you know, what it's like now that uh, Nintendo Quest is a little bit on autopilot. It's it's that blessing and the curse that it's out in the final stage. People can actually watch it now. So the effort is all behind promoting it and pushing it. And part of that is the power tour, of course. And, and it's great that it's out there. Um, it's uh, it, I don't know if I've got enough perspective on it yet. It's been Nintendo Quest and GamerCast have been so much a part of my life for these last two years it's really hard to think about the fact that there there won't be that for at least some period of time just between us getting the film out and, and sort of wrapping up the promotional push for it and uh, you know taking a hiatus from GamerCast and sort of reflecting on, on what that's been and, and what it might be uh, it's just say, hard to think about that well, when I say for both of you 
Nintendo Quest and GamerCast has led to so many different, has opened so many doors for both of you? Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, I believe anything that you do will always lead to other things, um, whether that's personal decisions to go in a different direction or from outsiders coming in saying, yeah, I like what that guy did, I want to work with him, how can we partner up, or even just straight up like business opportunities to... I know people are developing products for Nintendo Quest in that brand that they want to license that name from us in order to help push other things. So there, there's a lot of gears that are always turning, in, and it is strange because you know our hands are a little bit tied at this point. Like, how do we keep pushing things going forward, and, and how do we keep the life cycle going without letting it die? And that's uh, it, it's a, it's a mind shift in that it's not over. You can't think that it's dying because it's always going to be out there. We'll always be the people that's part of that. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And it's one thing that I always stress to Jay a lot. I'm like, you know, just because, you know, we shot Nintendo Quest three years ago, we shot that, which is a long time. It's only been out for a little past six months. Regardless of what he does next month or next year, he'll always be the guy that did Nintendo Quest. And uh, that says a lot more than, you know, you think. And it's something I've I've asked before, but it's even... uh I guess it's home a little bit more now. I had a chance to talk to Jay a little bit earlier this week and, um, about some various things, his cosplay, his other interests, whatnot. But I want to talk to you guys, because you know him so well. Uh, you, know, you see him constantly. Um, yeah, Rob, we talk know him. to him constantly. Yeah. I know you two are on different uh, in different countries now. Um, tell me how he has grown since the filming of the movie. I know I've touched on it a little bit, but I want I want to know more now that it's even more, like you said, three years since the film, since the the film has uh, you know, wrapped I'm gonna, up. I'm going to let Glenn handle this one. How has he grown? Be honest, Gerald. It's I, I think I think Jay's still really even searching for an answer to that. I mean, I, I think this experience. And I can speak to, to my own part in this as well, because I see it reflected in Jay. We've gotten we've gotten a chance to do so many things because of this film and because of Rob's choice on how he wanted to promote this film that we've really had our eyes open to a much larger world than I think we were really aware of. And I think that that's opened some doors and it's also potentially presented some opportunities. And it's really just... It's really just trying to decide what that next step is and how to take it. I've, I've been very fortunate in that um, my role in, with the podcast and with the film has, in a roundabout way, helped me get into the game industry. And it's really helped me change my life in terms of my career and, and, and what I feel like going to work every day. And may I be one of the first to congratulate you on that as far as the Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Uh, it's, it's been awesome to, to get that support from people. But, uh, and, and Rob's obviously been able to, to pursue other projects they've been sort of an extension and an evolution of what he's done in Nintendo Quest so I think that's really the challenge is just trying to trying to see those opportunities and, and take advantage of them and, and that's uh, and that's tough and I think we're in that we're in that stage now where again we are sort of winding down our promotional push on the film and I think there is a little bit of a sense of all of us, and I think this is part of why we're doing the podcast hiatus, is we all sort of feel like we're in limbo a little bit and we need to kind of take a step back and absorb all of this and decide what we want to do with it going forward. I think I think we we like the idea of having that, that good kind of milestone where we can say, okay, great, we did this, we're proud to have done this. Now let's, let's think about what that means for a little bit and kind of decide where we want to go from there. It's really strange because you know that you've done something special, but you don't know what that really means. And you know it's special because people respond to what you've done with sincere emotions and they bestow importance upon it. And why it's important to me might be why different compared to why it's important to you with Nintendo Quest specifically. But you know that there's something special about that, but putting your finger on why it's special is hard. And I think you do need to take a step back and realize what, why it is special and what it means to you and how it has changed you. And like Glenn was saying, one of the reasons that we want to step away from, from GamerCast is to, A, not dilute what that is, but truly understand what that is so we can re-gear and come back at it. And I think Jay's in the same, same boat where we're all just 
we're happy with what we've done. Nintendo Quest is great now that it's in the kind of final stage, which is the hardest stage to get to. And it's, it's going to just be nice to see how things unfold naturally from here. I, I know that's sort of a... It, it's a vague answer at best, but I mean, I, I think if you want to boil it down to its like base level of simplicity, when you see what Jay's doing with, with his cosplay enthusiasm now... And, uh, and even Rocket Queen, his, the way yeah, that... Yeah, Guns N' Roses cover band. Like, these are all... He's taking cues from everything that we've done. And I don't want to speak on, on his behalf, but you asked us to speculate how he might have grown. I can see him very much take cues of what it means to be a producer, to organize stuff behind the things that he loves in order to make them bigger than his own individual passion. And this is a guy who's also... You know, taking some chances and and maybe being a little bolder about the things he's choosing to do than he might have, because he'd be the first to tell you when they were shooting Nintendo Quest. I don't think he, I, I don't think he felt they were necessarily telling a story he thought was going to be compelling. I know that he was really really worried about being interesting on screen. Yeah. So I think I think that experience really taught him a lot about. How all that work in the background produces something yeah. that might feel a little bit differently than it does at the time that it's happening. So, and I just from my times that I've been able to be fortunate enough to see the movie, um, I see that development of him as an individual on the screen, how he grew just in that short amount of time that you guys were filming, um, how he grew as an individual. It just just makes the movie that much more satisfying a, a watch. Or for anybody to easily identify with, um, and I'll touch on that uh, something a little bit on that a little bit in a later. That'll be my last question. Uh, but, but I want to touch on a couple things as far as the power tour. Okay. What, what experience for you guys that it has been? Um, actually, you know, I I know that you've, you've been very uh, forthcoming as far as being able to put that out there as far as different into the different episodes, the different stages of where the Promotion got as far as from around the country, and actually is also Canada as well. Uh, tell us a little bit more about that, and then some of the later episodes that that uh, you know that are still maybe not everybody's caught yet, but definitely definitely do need to do so. Well, the power tour, for those that don't know, is uh, essentially uh, the journey of Jay and I and company taking the finished film Nintendo Quest around North America, and what stitches all the all the episodes together. Is not only the communities that we visit, the people that we interview, and the collections we see, but also more game hunting, where Jay and I are trying to knock off a list of 10 games that we'd like to see in our collection. Some are notable titles, some are just kind of the staples that you want. But when you tie in all those things together, more game hunting, uh, people of significance, uh, and, and stores of significance in the country, some of which that we had visited before, some of which were new to us, it really becomes something special. and. To be able to explore the subject matter that was uh, initially discussed in Nintendo Quest, but in a series-based format, was really refreshing to me because we could do more. We could focus the episodes more thematically um, up in, across all eight episodes, too, which was really nice. So we did release them online for free for a brief window, and then we had a deal in place that had us take them offline, but now you can get it on disc, and that's... One of the main reasons we're here at Level Up Expo, it's the first time in public that you can buy Nintendo Quest Power Tour on DVD and Blu-ray. With an exclusive ninth episode that's not available, has never been available online. And that's something I want to get to in a second. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Spoiler uh -oh. alert. Because, uh, as you know, Glenn, the, the Power Tour episodes take you along each stage of the journey. And... Um, I, for one, am grateful that I was along for part of that Episode journey. 2, MC at the uh, Vegas screening. Yes, without the microphone being turned on, but my, my loud voice actually projected through anyways. So. It's, it's a life skill, Gerald. It's there okay. It's a life skill. It'll serve you well. Trust me. <laughs> but starting from Beverly Hills, your, your quest through California, through, through Texas. California! Uh, through all the various stops. Las Vegas, of course, yeah. like you said in Episode 2. Um I want to talk more about the later episodes. Sure. Um, you know, Portland, obviously coming home to London, Ontario, was very important for both. Uh, your, your stop in Portland. And then that uh, we'll talk about the elusive and secretive and highly top secret ninth episode as well. But first off, let's talk about a little bit about your homecoming in London. 
Well, I think Glenn might have the most objective uh, viewpoint on that. For so, me, it was... I remember talking to you at that time about it, it being a little bit emotional for you as far as going back home and being able to present your work in that it, It's always a big deal for me, and I just premiered Missing Mom there uh, last weekend. And there's something I like about having that continuity and that opportunity to be able to present my work on a consistent platform and build that that not fan base but that expectations that, you know where people know that if I'm going to have a film that there's a good chance that I'll be able to do this here with some sort of continuity to, to how I present my work and what my work means and the evolution of that for me going back home to London was, was great to be able to continue that tradition but at the same time it was really hard because when you go back home as any of us do if you don't live at home there's always the, the family quotient, the friend quotient, where you're trying to do all the visits and, and, and the hangouts and stuff, and we had people fly over from England. So as great as that was to be able to do it and celebrate with those people, it, it really complicated the, the filming aspects of the Power Tour. So it was, I, w I was torn between being able to really enjoy it and get the job done. And for you, Glenn, I know you were, especially in the London, uh, when, it, when the screenings were coming to London, I know you were a major part of the promotion there. Uh, tell us more about that type of experience for you. I don't know. I, I mean, you talk about me being part of the promotion, and I don't really look at it. I don't really look at it from that perspective of being that formal about it. Really, I just I, I did everything I could to try and help spread the word and, and share. But I mean, I think I think we were fortunate to have. A really supportive group of folks in our hometown that were really, you know, hungry to see the finished product and really happy to support us in doing it. So, you know, we had the backing of uh, FM 96, which is the local rock station in London, Ontario. Um, you know, we, we've been fortunate enough to make connections like that and, and just know the right people to kind of help us get that word out. It's it's nice to be taken as like a legitimate artist. But when you go to, like, the biggest station in town, you say, this is what we're doing. Are you interested in being on board? And they see the trailer. They see the community following. They, they understand the significance without watching the film. It's it's kind of refreshing that, yeah, you can do it if you put the nose to the grindstone and, you know, your work is good enough to make the cut. People will believe in you and support you. The tricky part for me about, about the whole Power Tour, really, but this, this is no less true of London, is it's really difficult for me to separate the screenings themselves from the experience surrounding the screening because there's there's so much that's happened around even what you see in the Power Tour episodes. I mean, Rob yeah. touched on uh, on our buddy Ian Hook visiting from from England when we uh, we screened the film in London, and uh, and that was a big deal. And, and so much of that experience for me is tied around that chance of getting to meet a friend face to face for the first time and really I don't know really kind of develop that next step of our relationship just in terms of our friendship uh, I, I was I got to pick up Ian from the airport we got a chance we got a chance to spend two hours in the car on the way back to London from Toronto chatting and catching up and really getting to know each other and that's an experience that uh, Robin and Jay didn't really get to have um, so so I, I feel I feel great for having you had that son chance. of a yeah. But it's it's tough for me to separate that sort of peripheral stuff from just the actual screening itself. I could say the screening was was incredible. I mean, we 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 ran late because we had so many people continuing to cram themselves into that theater. Yeah. There was a line out the lobby and back into the theater. It's a single screen theater. The lobby area is about as wide as the booth we're at, so it's maybe 15 feet wide by 20 feet long. And the lineup was in the theater through the lobby and back kind of out to allow people to sit down but we had to delay the screening by 10 minutes for me it was uh it felt like the the, the biggest event of the power tour and honestly one of the reasons it felt that way is because we were premiering two trailers that night that nobody knew about we premiered the the teaser for power of gray skull and uh, the, the trailer for the Kitty documentary, Kitty Origins and Evolutions. So that was that was pretty exciting to make it a complete show with a packed 400-person audience with stuff that nobody expected to see. I, I absolutely, and seeing that on screen was just a great experience. And I know 
uh, from my, my personal experience, seeing your notes, seeing the comments that you made, seeing the type of feedback that was given by locals in that area, it's just, just truly re you know, representative of all the love that they have for you and all the love that they have for Nintendo Quest as far as that's concerned. Um, your next trip was to Portland. As far as the next episode there. Yeah, and the next to, episode, yeah. You went to a gaming expo, I believe, in Portland area, correct? We did. Yeah, yes. the, ep the episode itself is broken into kind of two halves. We are in Portland when it starts, but we flash back to brief stops in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, and in Cleveland, Ohio, where there was also screenings. Uh, and those are really cool to, to meet those communities there. And it was that kind of a whirlwind because we had the London screening. Four days later, I was in Edmonton. Two days later, I was back in Cleveland. And then three days after that, we were in Portland. So it was kind of like the marathon gauntlet. What sticks out about Portland to you, though? Whether it's the filming experience or, again, the experience traveling. Yeah. Portland was probably my favorite stop on the entire tour. And at least part of that is because I didn't expect to go. Uh, I was initially not going to go to Portland. And then uh, at the last minute, Rob, you approached me about going because you just needed an extra pair of hands. Just in case. Some assistance with, with the booth and filming and, and that sort of thing. So um, so it was good for me because it was such a surprise, first of all. Um, secondly, I, I adore Portland. Portland is just an awesome city. I, uh, it, it's a beautiful city. Crap breweries everywhere, which is right up my alley. Uh, I, love, uh, I love the western U.S., uh, I love the American Southwest, as I've discussed at length since I've been here. Uh, but I, I just—it's a beautiful part of the country. It's an awesome city. I really like the character of the city and the personality of the city. Uh, we got a chance to meet some friends again, face to face for the first time there. Uh, our good pal Josh Schmidt, uh, guys like uh, Murph J. Murphy, who helped support Nintendo Quest, uh, and his lovely wife. And it was just a. Uh, it was just a great experience, kind of putting faces to those. And names. That was the first time you got to see Doug and Nicole too. And it was the first time I got to meet Doug and Nicole from Retro City Games. We're a very big part of not only your life but also they, kind of everything we've done. They push Nintendo Quest. They're a key sponsor on the Power Tour. They're a key sponsor on GamerCast. Again, people that don't have to but choose to believe us because whether it, it helps them out as, as a sponsor with advertising or whether it's for the greater good, they just get it and it's rare to find people that, that and they, are like and that. And they helped you come up with the, uh, the concept for, for Box Art, correct? Yes, very much so. Very much so. They're integral and they are producers on Box Art. I don't know if you want to segue to Box Art now or well, if you want to talk about the Power Tour. There is one thing I wanted to bring up first because I want to hear you talk about this. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. But we also got the chance to screen Nintendo Quest in this absolutely gorgeous classic movie house yeah. in Portland. How much did that mean to you? It's cool because I, like most of the places that we screen the film, I try to research it so I have a real understanding of the history of what we're screening. A place like UNLV, which was, of course was the campus room, a little bit different compared to this classic Hollywood cinema movie palace that had like, you know, the premiere of The Apartment, the premiere of Rocky, uh, Jaws, Star Wars, like back when cinema like had its like kind of second rebirth in the 70s with some real auteurs this was the place in Portland that was screening it for the first time in some cases the first place on the west coast outside of Hollywood to screen these films that I would say have impacted not just pop culture but the world since so to have Nintendo Quest kind of share the screen despite some modern renovations it's, it's kind of a privilege again it's like wow we made the grade for something like this and the staff Welcoming, open arms. The the Retro Gaming Expo connected us with them. Um, <laughs> they were quick to pay because we split the box office, which was great. They were very generous with concessions for us, and uh, they were just very accommodating, down to earth people that believed in what we wanted to do as as filmmakers. And that obviously was obviously a uh, very positive experience for you. Sounds like for both of you. I got a question for Glenn. Glenn, did it hit you when you? Uh, I'm not answering any more questions. All right, no more questions around there. Uh, when you went up on stage, Glenn, for everybody that doesn't know, for the tours the stops that he was at, was essentially the MC by default because I wanted to be introduced. <laughs> so I made Glenn go up there and kind of spittle around for a few minutes. Did go, you hey, realize? Hey, go, go on stage. Go say my name. Go yeah. say my name. Go say. Introduce me. Introduce me. I'm wearing sunglasses. I must be famous. Uh, when you got on stage, did you realize that was the last time that you were introducing that? I don't really think it hit me, no. Um, I really hadn't, and I hadn't done it in London. 
Right. Because, of course, FM 96 radio personality Sarah Burke emceed in London, which was the other thing that was kind of neat about London is I got more of a chance to be part of the audience at that one. Um, and I felt bad about that. I, I was on stage at the end, and you'll see in the Power Tour episode I'm up there. I don't think I said a word. No, but I feel bad about, like, taking you out. Of, like, because it gets to a point, and Jay and I get this way with interviews that we had done, where it becomes a little bit like an act. Yeah. Where we know what we're saying, the beats, and, and how to feel things out and put on this, the show. You know, we know how to set the circus It's like any off. good band, you know how to play off each other. Yeah. yeah. There's a certain order of things that, that occur, and taking you out of that made it a little bit of a wild card because we had no idea what Sarah was going to say but we got you back for Portland it, it really didn't hit me until afterwards I think it, it hit me the next day it, shooting in the hotel room uh, as Jay was preparing to, to get ready to leave uh, and that's when I was kind of like wow we're not we're not doing this anymore this is it yeah and uh, I still seeing that on film and what's interesting about that is the way you chose to, to set we only had me operating camera so he had another stationary camera somewhere else in the room and what's interesting about that to me is I'm actually in frame a lot of the time because it cuts back and forth between those two cameras so it really hits me every time I see that because I do get to see myself as part of what's happening as things really kind of start to come to an end but that's essentially in a nutshell what I wanted the Power Tour to become Nintendo Quest is very much about Jay and Nintendo culture you know I wanted the Power Tour to take those people that we identified in the Nintendo culture segments and make it more about everybody so that's why we interview more people it's it's Jay and I and then Jay and I and Glenn introducing stuff and other people that you know come and hang out throughout the whole process that's, uh, like I said, just a great experience indeed. Um, but I, I, before I touch on a little bit more with others of the subjects, I just want to ask, could you tell us a little bit, guys, about the secretive episode 9? Glenn, tell us about episode 9. Uh, I haven't seen it. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. So I can tell you that. I'm the keeper of the footage. Keeper of the footage. Uh, it is exclusive to the Power Tour discs, DVD, and Blu-ray. Of course, you can go to NintendoQuest.com and order them. Uh, it's in some ways it's it's probably what you expect it to be I wanted something special on the DVD and we couldn't shoot another episode there was not another stop on the power tour right like so I was kind of how do I make this work but like Glenn said there's so much that happens that goes around what you see in the current episode so that's kind of where I started from how these were gonna how this was gonna put together and it turns out we had a, a lot of segments that didn't make the cut and it's not just, oh, these are the leftover kind of rejects. There are, there are, I think, five or six really cool segments where you get to see more of the community, more of Jay and I with our guards let down even more, just kind of in the moment, on the on the road. Like, the kind of stuff yeah. that we, we certainly couldn't do in Nintendo Quest because of the 90-minute runtime. Like, you get to see what it's like being on the Power Tour and some of the other cool people we met and the things that we did. And it definitely sounds like it's a great value indeed, and that is uh, I think so. And that is an extra. Is that correct? Yeah, it's an extra episode. So there's nine episodes on the discs. If you buy the Power Tour digitally, you only get access to eight. Oh, there you go. Uh, so you've got some more projects on the queue. Now no, not me. Okay, because I know you both are very busy, gentlemen. Indeed, Glenn. Let's talk first about what's what's ahead for you going forward. Yeah, I know you got some stuff going on with the studio that you're part yeah, of. Yeah, yeah. Um, the fun thing about the uh, the video game industry is how frequently you can't actually talk about what you're working. <laughs> so uh, at this point, I, I Three can't letters, say NDA. NDA. But we uh, uh, our flagship title at Tiny Titan Studios is a mobile game called Dash Quest, which uh, many of our listeners may be familiar with. I've uh, been fortunate enough to have many of our listeners reach out to us and reach out to me and actually talk about how much they love the game and, and seeing them support the game is great. But uh, we've had a real sort of uprising of support on the Google side of that uh, of that business lately, and that's been really awesome to see. So we're really trying to ride that wave for as long as we can and really trying to take a critical look at the game and see how we can make it the best possible experience it can be for everybody playing it. So... 
over the next little while, we're going to be dedicating a little more time to uh, to really just trying to streamline the game experience and really make it everything it can be and just make it make it the best experience for as many people as it can be on as many different devices that they choose to play it on. Uh, we do have another game called Tapsmiths, which we'll be launching uh, hopefully before the end of this month. And uh, we got some other irons in the fire that we really aren't in a position to talk about, but it's a really, really exciting time to be part of what's going on at Tiny Titan, and I feel I feel so incredibly fortunate to be part of it, and, and uh, it's been a great experience for me. It's really changed my life. That's awesome, and uh, I congratulate you on that, and definitely looking forward to seeing what the studio is going to be uh, bringing out very soon. And Rob, uh, I know you still have got a lot on the plate. We're getting, our, we're getting our picture taken right now yes. by, by your daughter, Gerald. Yes, yes, my daughter, yes. Ellen, who absolutely is your biggest fan of the movie Nintendo Quest. We're getting our picture taken in three, two, one. Oh, we're having technical difficulties. <laughs> what What's the matter? Is it set to video by mistake? No, that's, it's good. We're taking pictures of our discs on the table now. Oh, here we go. All right, well, Gerald, while you figure out the tech specs, let me uh, ramble on about what's so going many, on. so many other things that are now on the queue for you as well. Yeah, so one of the biggest things that I haven't really had a chance to talk about is we finally launched, I finally launched, robmccallumfilms.com because it uh, became apparently clear that I needed a one-stop shop for everything that I am doing. Three, two, one. All right, the picture's good. Um... So robmccallumfilms.com is now launched. It is your the place to go for blog posts on all the different projects I'm doing. Uh, a place to check out the, where you can buy discs and kind of everything in between, frequent collaborators and social media sites. Uh, we just premiered Missing Mom last week in London, Ontario, which was awesome. That is available now. And it's catching a lot of people off guard. So I look forward to being able to really spread the word uh, on that film. And later this year... It's uh, available on Vimeo, correct? It's available on Vimeo. Again, go to robmccallumfilms.com. Link's right there to check it out. Or search Vimeo On Demand, Missing Mom Documentary. You'll, you'll find it. Um, and later this year, hopefully, the documentary on Kitty, Kitty Origins and Evolutions, come out uh, with both a fan cut and, we believe, a distribution cut. The difference being three hours long for the fans and about, I don't know, an hour 45 for regular folk that maybe don't know the band as well and don't want to have all the intricate details. So, uh, pretty exciting every year with two films released. Absolutely. Uh, it looks like, indeed, uh, still a busy time for you. And one last question. Like I said, it's been two years we were here. We talked so much about Nintendo Quest at, time, at that time and what hopes you had for the success of the film. The film, in my opinion, has been, been a great success, both on a critical basis now, obviously, a lot of people have liked it as well, which leads me into my last question for both of you. Any thoughts on a Nintendo Quest sequel? I've heard slight rumors here and there pop up now did, and then. Well, did you watch the very last episode of the Power Tour? Uh, as far as that's concerned, yeah. Did you watch past the credits? As far as, uh, like, a Marvel setup? Yeah. No, I did not. This well, interview is over. No, this interview is over because we addressed that very specifically. Look at you, Gerald. You're, you're caught off guard, and now that we've wet your whistle, everybody else will have to go out and check. And now I have to go check again because I haven't, so i got to go check it out again. There you go. Well, you know what? Why don't you pick up a disc copy, and you can get the ninth episode as well, as seeing what's after the credits of episode eight. <laughs> but that will answer the question definitively. Uh, I, I think so. I think it certainly alludes to it. It's a pretty it. definitive answer, I think. Yeah. Yes, have some. Cool. Uh, anything else for us? Pretty no. Nintendo Quest universe. Well, actually, all the films tie into each other. How can best, as far as it's concerned, can fans get a hold of you both, as far as the projects you do? Obviously, with your studio. Best, uh, best Facebook. Uh, oh yeah, Twitter. Yeah, you can uh, you can visit our uh, our website at tinytitanstudios.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Tiny Titan Games. And you can also find us on Facebook at Tiny Titan Games. Uh, and uh, yeah, I'd say Facebook and, and Twitter are great ways to interact with us and keep tabs on what we're doing. And NintendoQuest.com, RobMcAllenFilms.com. There's ways to email, email us. 
uh, message us on Facebook, and of course, tweet at us on Twitter. And Gerald, where can folks get a hold of you? At GameSource, GameSource on Facebook, and a new site, Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook. And since Twitter won't give me another S, Pop Culture Cosmo on Twitter. Evelyn, where can people get a hold of you? You're the Pop Culture Cosmo. Yeah, well, what can I say? Twitter will not give me another S. Okay, fair enough. Well, thanks for joining us. Uh, we may continue to record a Level Up Expo. We may not. We've actually had a pretty great interview around 35 minutes. So, uh, for myself, Rob McCallum, uh, Glenn Stanway. Stan Buck, signing off from the desert. And thanks again to our special guest for his wonderful, thoughtful questions, uh, Gerald Glassford. I appreciate your time, gentlemen. And again, I wish you both continued success. Yeah, we really appreciate only, the support, Gerald. Thank you. Oh, no worries. Not only with the film, but with all your other projects as well. Until next time, game on. Hey, this is Aaron, OSU Water Polo here with YourGameSource.com, and I'm here with the guys from Hyperkin, who are behind the Retron 5 and some other products. Um, we're just here to talk to you um, about uh, what they do and what they sell. So, uh... Awesome, man. So basically, our Retron 5 is what you would call our flagship console. It's a very fine mesh of both modern and uh, retro. So you have uh, basically uh, the, the system itself will play up to nine different consoles. You have NES, Famicom, Super Nintendo, Super Famicom, Master System, Genesis, Mega Drive, Game Boy, Game Boy Color, and Game Boy Advance. All of that comes out to your screen at a 720p HDMI via HDMI cable. Uh, the system itself, like I said, it has a Game Boy slot in the front, Game Boy, Game Boy Advance, Game Boy Color. It comes with a Bluetooth controller. Um, the Bluetooth controller uh, is uh, actually a really nice controller, but if you were more inclined to use wired controllers, the wired controllers can be used um, on either side of the system. There are respective ports for each respective system. Uh, as I said before, uh, 720p HDMI, and uh, it has a SD card slot. This SD card slot serves multiple purposes. Uh, we do uh, system updates and uh, firmware updates, and uh, those are always available at retron5.com. We have, uh, you can also do uh, in-game in saves and uh, also upload cheat libraries if that's uh, what you want to do. <laughs> okay, so a lot of our viewers do homebrew games. Do they still work with this system? Okay, so the thing is, with homebrew games and also reproductions, uh, homebrew games would work, but we would need the actual physical cartridge to get it to work um, by our development team. Okay. Uh, reproductions um, can work depending on what ROM has been, uh, I guess, programmed into the cartridge. Because there's so many different versions of uh, ROM versions of just one game, maybe one re repo could work, but another repro of that same game might not work. So basically, in order to get our compatibility list up, we need the physical cartridges, and we basically send those to the developer, the developer makes it available to the next firmware, and that basically unlocks those titles. Okay, yeah, that's always good to know, because we have a lot of retro fans at our site, so... Um, I mean, you guys carry quite a few other products. Uh, do you want to tell me about any of them? Or? Yeah, sure. Uh, we have, uh, so the, the Retron 5 is basically our flagship console, as I said. We have a few other different consoles in the Retron line. We have the Retron 1, and that's a classic NES. Uh, it uh, uses wired controllers. We have, uh, next, we have our Retron 2, and that's a 2-in-1. That 2-in-1 includes uh, an NES and an SNES. It also has ports for your wired controllers as well. Uh, the next up from there would be the Retron 3, and the Retron 3 is the NES, Super NES, and Genesis. Um, they use uh, they use uh, RF uh, controllers, 2.4 gigahertz uh, output. They uh, it's also uh, like I said, multiple platform, uh, just like uh, just like the Retron 5 and with the minus seven systems. Uh, we also have our Superboy, and the Superboy is really really cool. It's a handheld NES, I mean SNES. I'm sorry. The handheld SNES basically has a 3.2 inch LED screen. It uh, takes a lithium ion battery similar to what you have in your cell phone. Uh, it has up to a five hour charge. Uh, the cool thing about it is it doubles as a console. So it has TV output. If you wanted to play your games at home, you could do so with a wired controller, or if you want to take it on the go, you can do that as well. It's very versatile in that sense. Um, we also do, uh, we also have uh, different uh, controllers as well. 
Uh, we have our, uh, as you can see, like our GM6, which is a uh, which is a uh, Genesis-style controller. Um, it's uh, it's uh, definitely one of our you know really really good controllers. Uh, right now in the market is probably the best feeling, the most accurate and classic feeling Genesis controller in the market. So if you buy that one, it basically feels like you know it feels like what you're used to. Yeah, definitely. Um, I guess the Superboy actually right now is sort of a celebrity magnet. Uh, we had uh, the R&B singer The Weeknd actually post himself uh, using it. Uh, famous tennis player Serena Williams posted herself using it. Uh, we had a couple supermodels and another like R&B singer. It attracts a lot of like you know just glamorous people, which is kind of funny because it's you know it's a dorky little portable Super Nintendo. But I guess because you know it brings back childhood memories. It's, uh, it's pushing itself up to a luxury item, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Yep. Okay, well, uh, thank you guys for your time. Um, where can they, other than Retron5.com, are there any other websites that are, like, to show everything? Uh, like, so, is there a Hyperkin site? Yeah, we do have a www.hyperkin.com. You can view all of our items uh, off of Hyperkin.com. You can also go to Retron5.com. Um, and you can get uh, some uh, awesome information there. Uh, There's also hyperkinlab.com. There That's go. where you buy our new controller, the ProCube. And also Amazon.com. So some of our items are listed there, but we recommend if you... There's a mom-and-pop store next to you. You buy our items there because we like to support local businesses. Okay. Well, thank you guys for your time. Uh, I will get pictures up uh, tonight in the interview as soon as possible. This is Aaron, OSU Water Polo, here with YourGameSource.com, and we just interviewed Hyperkin with their new Retron 5. Hey, this is Aaron, OSU Water Polo, with YourGameSource.com, and I'm going to be interviewing the guys at Saru Studio behind the game Hessian Engine, and uh, we're just here to have you tell us about your game. Excellent, okay. Well, Henshin Engine is a 16-bit game. Uh, it's an action, a 2D action platformer of old-school style. Well, actually, it is built on the 16-bit architecture for the TurboGrafx-16 as an actual 16-bit game. So, much like, or unlike, many games that are out there that emulate that old-school style, Henshin Engine will be a real 16-bit game playing on real 16-bit hardware. The focus for Star Studio in our games are going to be the TurboGrafx-16 PC Engine uh, architecture, but that's just our basis. We plan to port Engine Engine over to PC, um, to the Wii U. Uh, once we get it Unity-based, we'll, we'll start spreading it digitally across various, various platforms. That's always good to hear, not yes. limiting yourself just to... Uh... The, the people who own a Calico, the, right. the older system, yeah. who want that. And especially the TurboGrafx-16, yeah, because it's a, very, it's a very obscure system. Not many people had it in America growing up. In Japan, it was very big. Um, but here in the States, it, it gained very limited popularity. So we figure we start off, us as TurboGrafx PC Engine enthusiasts, we, we want to make our games for that system. But we do want to branch out. The initial game will be on the PC Engine TurboGrafx and PC, for sure. And then if we get the funding, we will go further and do digital downloads. We'll do Steam. But for now, for certain, we will be doing the TurboGrafx, PC Engine, and PC CD-ROM. Uh, that, is, that is great to hear. Um, we've done a few of these where they only do it on an old system and then like and eight it. people get to play it. Right. You know? you know, we want everybody to play Engine Engine because we believe, one, it's a great story um, involving a, a gamer gal. It's about a girl named uh, Yuki who's a video game tester who gets uh, transported into a digital video game world. So each of the stages for Engine Engine will actually parody a 16-bit game. Uh, we've got a, a game that, that resembles or a stage that resembles Wonder Boy. Um, we're going to have a stage that resembles um, various 2D side-scrolling shooting games, uh, things like that. And Henshin Engine is actually based on a webcomic. And so if you go to um, henshin-engine.com, you can check out the webcomic that we're basing this game upon. Okay, we'll definitely get those links up as part of this. Uh, 
you guys have said you've been working on it for like two months two now, months. and you plan to have it out by the beginning of next year, the yep. end of this year. First quarter of 2017, we're shooting for March of 2017. Okay, so I mean, that, that's pretty good turnaround time of year on a game, so that, yeah. that's great to hear. Better than some of the AAA games that are, what is it, Final Fantasy 15 at a decade now? <laughs> yeah. Yay. You know, or even other <laughs> smaller independent games that get delayed, you know. Yeah. We might see a delay, but we will likely hit our mark at this at this speed that we're going. We're definitely looking to hit our mark. That's always Mars. great to hear. Yeah. Um, so, like, what, what games inspired you guys to, to do this? Obviously, you know, Wonder Boy and some of them that you're going to pay homage to in the game, but what other games were out there that you guys, you know, were like, I want to make games because of this? So, as a child, I was always a big Mega Man fan, so a lot of the platforming aspects of Henshin Engine will be very similar to Mega Man. Um, one of the basis games for it is something called Shock Band, which is a um, game very similar to Mega Man. It's a platforming game uh, where you have characters um, that shoot and jump and that kind of style. So most any 16-bit platformers um, of the Super Nintendo era, TurboGrafx-16 era, and even Sega Genesis uh, inspire what Henshin Engine is going to be. Okay. Once it's released. Um, sounds like it's going to be a one-player game? It's going to be a one-player game. Okay. Uh, we do have a two-player game uh, in the works that the uh, programmer has um, put together that's going to come um, right around the same time Henshin Engine comes out. Right now we are pushing Henshin Engine, but he's working on a game called Lucretia, and I'm the artist for this game. I'm going to do a lot of the character art for the game, and we're planning to push that out around the same time um, as Henshin Engine. Okay, and uh, if anybody is interested who's listening, what websites can we find all these games at? So, um, if you go to uh, sarustudio.com, we'll have a whole um, spread of the games that we're, we're planning on releasing uh, for this for the TurboGrafx-16 Henshin-Engine.com, of course, for everything Henshin Engine. That includes the webcomic, the video game, and what we're up to as far as uh, Henshin Engine goes. Okay. Well, it was great talking to you guys, and this is Aaron OSU Water Polo here with YourGameSource.com, and this was Saru Studio and Henshin Engine. And that's our look at this year's Level Up Expo 2016. Do you love games, breed games, and bleed games? Then this is the crew for you. If you are interested in editorial, podcasting, live events, and exclusive content, make sure to hit us up at info at yourgamesource.com and become part of a team that is dedicated to delivering all the greatest delays in gaming news and content all here at yourgamesource.com.